Welcome to The Way We Work It. Here we look at real-life examples of how believers live out their faith in the workplace. I am your host, Lindsay Raffel, and we hope you are challenged, encouraged, and even slightly amused as we work it out together. During this last week, leading up to Thanksgiving, I thought a lot about both togetherness and isolation. And during this pandemic, some people are getting together with families, while others are just hunkering down at home, isolated from the physical world outside. But while some of us continue to work from home, the routine of not having those in-person interactions with people can, even for an introvert like me, can become kind of tiring. So this is hopefully, this pandemic, a temporary situation, and we'll get to reestablish those physical connections again. But in the workplace for many believers, we can often feel a sense of isolation long-term and feel like we're the only ones left, the only ones who believe the way that we do. Now, we may go to church and realize that's not true. I mean, there are other believers at church, And they have careers as well. And so logically, we know that there are other Christians in the workforce alongside us, but still we might feel like we're alone. So since we're talking about this sense of isolation, I thought it would be only fitting to have another voice on this call. My husband, Ron, has graciously agreed slash been roped into (laughs) joining me today. And he has been cooped up with me for the last nine months. (laughs) So... (laughs) Thank you for joining me, Ronnie. So he he works in the corporate world too, and so I thought it would be fun to get his take on this topic. So we're only doing one take at this thing, so this should be a lot of fun. And we're just spitballing here and having a little bit of fun. So, Ron, you've been a, Ronnie, you've been in the workplace a, longer than I have. So how have you seen this shift over time um, just as a believer in the workplace as far as uh, feeling like you knew where other people stood spiritually um, versus kind of the world that we live in today? Well, I think the biggest thing is we've seen a big change in the culture that's out there right now, especially in the last five to 10 years. And it is more difficult to reach out and talk about these issues at work. Um, A lot of times we'll be talking about specific social things and you think about okay I I could bring a little aspect of my religion into that but I'm not sure exactly how people would take that and it's a little scary and I think at some points you you have to kind of feel whether you're in a safe zone with the people that you're working with Um, for example um, recently I made a new hire um, and the gal that was uh we met up for the first time, it was COVID, and she was wearing earrings that had crosses on them. And I thought, okay, this felt like a comfortable situation in which I could bring up, you know, are you a Christian? And um, obviously she said, yes, I was. And we got to talking about, you know, our situations and uh, where where she went to church, um, what religion she was, um, you know, just a few common belief things. We didn't go into a lot of detail, but it was at least an opportunity to reach out to someone that, you know, shared the same views I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've worked with a number of people, and I know where they sit as far as their religious um, beliefs, and it's not always easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it does feel like these days, especially I work in HR, that 
the topic of faith or religion or whatever is kind of one of those off limits topics, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've had conversations with people and, you know, maybe somebody wants to start a book club at work and one of the boundaries that they have to set is that no one can choose a topic that has anything to do with faith, you know? And so I feel like, um, I feel like that over time that just kind of strips away. It's like you have to leave your faith at the door almost. And, and we as Christians, we don't do that. Like our faith informs how we act in the workplace, you know? And so, um, that can be really difficult to feel like that's just not something that people want you to bring in. You know, even though we know that being believers, we're told to be kind and patient and loving to others. And, you know, those are all attributes we want to display in the workplace, and yet we can't talk about them, you know. So so this is not a new feeling, in case you're wondering. It didn't take corporate America or a pandemic to highlight this kind of anxiety within us and so in that vein this week God reminded me of a figure in the Bible that I've admired for a long time mostly from a distance of course and uh, that's the prophet Elijah and I think that we tend to think about the prophets like they're untouchable um, just because of their intense devotion to sharing God's words Uh, but God brought me to share Um, to one of the stories of Elijah the prophet that I've read many times. There's even a part of this story that we as Christians have borrowed a phrase from many times. Um, But it wasn't the well-known part of the story that caught my attention this time. It was more of an easily overlooked passage towards the end of the story that took me by surprise. So Ron's going to read the passage in just a second, but let me do a little bit of setup before he does that. So many of you are familiar with Elijah, uh, who's talked about in the Old Testament. And just for some context here, he was a prophet when the kingdom of Israel was divided into northern and southern kingdoms. And one of the kings during this time brought about the false, the worship of a false god named Baal uh, through his wife. And many of the prophets, um, God's prophets, were killed for their faith during that time. Elijah was one of the few remaining and there were about 450 prophets of Baal during this time that other that God's prophets were being killed. And so at the beginning of this particular story, the 450 prophets of Baal and Elijah essentially have a showdown <laughs> in which God shows up miraculously and leaves no doubt as to who God actually is. So I'm jumping over this part, but you should check it check out the full story in 1 Kings chapter 18 because it involves a bull a bit of sarcasm, and God showing up by raining down fire from heaven. Seriously. So, thus the uh, episode name is The Running of the Bull. So, if you read that chapter, you'll understand why. So, the king's wife, after this showdown, was furious and threatens Elijah's life. And in an ironic twist of events, Elijah, after this miraculous victory by God, decides to make a run for it. And he ends up journeying through the wilderness for over 40 days. So now here we come to the really well-known part of the story and where Elijah is. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts. 
And for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And before the, behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in a mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Thank you. So most of us have been reminded of that phrase, God's still small voice. But it's not that still small voice. It's what God said to Elijah that really struck me. So check this out. Then the Lord said to him, after Elijah said, I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. The Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus, and when you arrive, anoint Hazel as king over Syria. Also you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel, and Elisha you shall anoint as prophet in your place. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. So Elijah, at this point, he's in the cave. He's feeling a couple of things. He's feeling scared for his life, right? And he's feeling like he's the only one left. He's stuck in this moment. And what was really cool about this is that God steps into that moment with Elijah to give him a glimpse that not only is he not alone, but that God already has a plan for how his will is going to be accomplished in others. So it's not all up to Elijah. It's God's plan and he's continuing to work. And I love that God is specific, that he has 7,000 people in Israel who are reserved and that he is personal enough to know who those 7,000 are, who follows him. So talk about not being alone. Elijah was feeling this sense of isolation, like I'm the only one left. And God says, actually, you're not (laughs) because I still have people out there and I have a plan for how I'm going to use them. So not all of us are going to be in a cave, right? Listening to God's still small voice. But I just kind of like to get your take, Ronnie, on what do you do when you're feeling isolated. So I know obviously you and I are are here together, so you're not alone physically, but I think every believer comes to a certain point where they do feel isolated spiritually. They might feel like they're a bit on an island. Maybe they're struggling with something that they feel like nobody else can understand. Um, So what do you do and what do you think that, what do you think would help someone else who might be feeling that way? Yeah, I mean, everyone's situation is different. For me, 
again, I get to share my life with you. And so we get to share daily on, especially during this COVID time, what's, what's going on. But I think um, I would encourage my, as well as myself and anyone else to, to pray and just to, to take some time out each day to spend with God in the Bible. And just uh, if you have common friends or people that uh, believe the way you do, um, I would you know certainly reach out to them on occasion to see how they're doing as well, because I'm sure they're struggling. Um, get involved with the church as much as you can. I know that's difficult now, but uh, that's always a great place to, to spend some time and to really be able to take that to the next level. So I, I would encourage everyone to just spend more time with God in however way that they feel like that's best for them. How do you do it? Well, I think uh, we've been doing daily devotions. Um, and for me, that's been helpful. Um, I, it's, you know, we've had a reading list that's put out by our church that we've been able to get in and uh, for me, I've been able to read passages that I maybe haven't touched on for a very long time. And because so, of the reading list? Because of the reading list, mm -hmm. yeah. And so, and then just us being able to talk, which is really helpful. Yeah. And then, of course, you're listening to this amazing podcast right now, right? Well, the like, first, yeah, the first two were amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm sure the third one is going to be just awesome. Yes. Well, I have to say you actually stole the rest of what I was going to say, but... I think you probably said it better. Um, so <laughs> just to, recapping here, a couple of lessons from Elijah's story. Spending time with God, I, just like what you said, one of the things that struck me is that each time, you know, through the wind and the earthquake and the fire and then the still small voice, he was seeking after God's voice. And I love it when he heard that small, that still small voice, he recognized it and he went out and, and listened. And I think that is so critical. The first thing is to actually put yourself in a position where you can hear God's voice and then to listen and then to actually obey. So question to ask yourself this week and that we'll ask um, each other at different points this week is, are you quieting your heart and your mind long enough to be able to hear from God? And if he speaks to you, are you listening? And if you're listening, are you obeying? Because the next thing that Elijah did was in obeying God, he took action to actually bring other people into the plan that God had. So like Ronnie said just a second ago, one way to cure isolation is to reach out, to be an encouragement to someone else. And so if you know another believer, maybe it's at your office, maybe it's not, um, call, email, write, text, do a video call. Um, if you can't get together with them in person. Uh, today I did a video call with some of my friends that I've known for several years and it was just, even spending an hour with them, it was just a, a gift to be able to get a glimpse into their lives, to see them, for me to be heard and tell them what's going on in my life and for me to just stop and listen to their lives and their stories right now. And I just wanna say being an encouraging voice to someone else remind them that they have community. Like Ronnie said, they might be struggling too. Um, ironically, we're often together in this sense of feeling alone. So if we're together, then let's be together. So this week, the challenge is 
spend time with God long enough to actually hear his voice, listen and obey, and ask him to bring someone specific to your mind, just like he did for Elisha. If reaching out to people is not an option right now, then remember that just like Elijah in the cave, you have God right there with you. Pray for other believers. Spend time with God and ask Him to guide your steps. And when you do, you step out of that world of isolation and into God's plan that's overflowing with joy. Thank you for joining us today. We are so grateful for you and are excited to be on this journey together. Join us back here next Monday morning for a new look at The Way We Work It.